Welcome to today's podcast on anxiety. This is part four. We've done uh, prior parts to this. Those parts had much more to do with how do we more long-term bring down anxiety? What are the psychological constructs that engage anxiety and how do we overcome those? Today we're going to come at it a bit differently. Today we're going to look at the physiology of anxiety and use that understanding to walk you through a couple different approaches, physical approaches, to bring down anxiety in a fairly rapid way so that you not only have a way to manage it long-term as we've covered in prior podcasts, but you're also going to have ways to immediately engage, consciously engage in a way that diminishes anxiety and gets you set up to be able to do what it is that you're wanting to do in the moment. For quite a long time now, probably the last 30 years, we've been using breathing as a way to as a way to bring down anxiety. And there are a lot of different things that we would have people do. A typical one was we would have somebody lay down and just belly breathe. Sometimes that meant putting a book or some weight, some kind of feedback on the abdomen and breathing in such a way as it would raise the book, would raise the belly, and then lower it on exhale. And we found this to be pretty effective, but there was a lot that we didn't understand about the mechanism of this. Now what we find based on the new research out of UCLA and out of Stanford particularly is that it can be done even much more readily. That if we inhale, typically through our nose, but it can be through the mouth as well, but typically through the nose, if we inhale and then take another sharp inhale, small inhale, and then gradually let that out through the mouth, like a long sigh, ah, that that does a number of things. And it really impacts that feeling of anxiety. So when we breathe that way, or even when we breathe the way we were talking about with the belly breathing that we had done decades ago, what that does is it engages the diaphragm. The diaphragm is sort of a dome-shaped muscle that is easily engaged through breathing and does a lot of different things in our body when we engage it. But what we're going for here is that when we inhale deeply, the diaphragm expands downward. That's why the belly would raise in the old approach that we used to use. And we still find it somewhat effective. It's a good training tool. It helps people get much more in touch with their diaphragm and just how flexible it is, how much it can move. For a lot of people, they hardly ever move their diaphragm when they're breathing. And so it is a good way to learn about that muscle and how to engage it. In the more modern research, in the newest research, what we're finding is if we, as we described, take a big inhale, then a second, 
inhale, that really opens up the alveoli, the sacs in the lungs. And that helps the body to release a lot of carbon dioxide as you exhale slowly. Now, the lungs have a massive amount of surface area. There are millions of little sacs in the lungs. Some people would say that, you know, if we spread it all out, it would be as big as, oh, a tennis court or even maybe a bit bigger. So you can imagine how much oxygen that lets you take in and how much carbon dioxide that lets you release when you do that double breath. Now, this is something that we do automatically a lot of the times. We'll find ourselves when we're just really stressed, just wanting to ah and exhale, sigh. That physiological sigh is the basis of this. This is what inspired the research and led us to this kind of understanding. Doing this, taking that second breath, really lets the whole thoracic cavity, the whole chest cavity, really open up. And that takes a lot of pressure off the heart, lets the heart relax. The brain senses all this going on, tells the heart even further to relax. There are a particular nerve group in the heart that regulates that, and that gets that signal that says, ah, just relax. It's very interesting in old school Chinese medicine, the heart was considered to be in the negative, the seat of anxiety. In the positive, it's the seat of joy. But in the negative, it is where anxiety would arise. And this actually changes that function of the heart and let it move out of that state of anxiety to something much more calm, much more peaceful, and potentially even more towards joy. This can be done anywhere. It can be done anytime. What the research shows is two or three, maybe four breaths like this is often enough to really change our physiology and to change our state, to come down out of that anxiety to a much more relaxed, much more calm state. There's another way to look at anxiety for some people, and that is that there is research showing a correlation between motion sickness and anxiety. For people who readily experience motion sickness, there is often a strong correlation with a tendency to feel anxiety. There have been studies done where people with this particular combination of factors, if they're given anti-motion sickness medicine, often the anxiety that they may have really diminishes or completely disappears. Now, we're not suggesting that as a treatment necessarily for uh, anxiety, but it's an interesting correlation. What we find in working with people with motion sickness is a lot of times what happens is they lose a sense of where the horizon is. If they're riding in a car, if they're driving, a lot of times they don't have motion sickness because 
they're very aware of their surroundings, of exactly where the horizon is for them. If they get in the back seat and can't see so well, then motion sickness will often increase. A similar thing on planes. They get in a plane and maybe the windows get closed, they can't see the horizon, and then motion sickness ensues. If that's something that you run into, if you've experienced that, you'll find that if you can visualize the horizon, particularly if you can see it, if you're on a plane, you can open the window and you can look out and see the horizon, or if you're in a car and you can sit up and look around and see the horizon even better, and if you can even just visualize where it is, have a sense of where you are in relationship to the horizon, a lot of times that really brings down that motion sickness and brings down the anxiety that then ensues. So this is a simple but often powerful way to help people with this variety of anxiety. So we hope that you can see from the various podcasts that we've done with anxiety that this is something that you can really learn to manage, that we don't have to be at the effect of it. Far too many people's lives are really, in a certain way, dictated by anxiety or avoiding things that might cause anxiety or how they have to modify their lives if they start to have any sense of anxiety or the possibility of anxiety. If we're thinking about things like testing and the impact of anxiety on that, to be able to have impact on that anxiety in these ways so that you're in such a better state to be tested can really make a tremendous difference in terms of your experience of school and testing. Of course, the same thing happens in the workplace or anywhere else in your life. The more you have a sense of being in control, the more you can determine the outcomes that you want.